This is the special October edition of Pilgrim Walk. Hello everyone, this is Rob Pineda, your host here on Pilgrim Walk. Uh, I have been still dealing a little bit with a little bit of a cold over the last couple of weeks, so I do apologize if my voice kind of comes in and out. Doing much better, though, so thank you for the prayers. I appreciate it for those of you that knew and were praying for me. Well, we're going to continue on with our October edition, and uh, for the next few days, I'm going to put out a couple of uh, podcasts. Uh, I can only do so much time on the platform that I'm using and so it'll be in different parts. And so um, please be uh, patient with that. And, and I do hope that these are helpful to you just to give you some things to think about. Our whole purpose on Pilgrim Walk really is to understand what it is to live holy in an unholy world. And this time of year, especially in October, it, it can be confusing for a lot of Christians, not knowing really what to do with this holiday of Halloween. How do we deal with it? What do we do? Or what can we participate with? What is okay? A lot of people, Christians, will cite a lot of freedom, Christian freedom. Um, they will uh, look at it a little differently than others. And, and I'm not here to make any judgments on anyone. What I am here to do is to give you the facts so that you're better prepared and armed on how to deal with it within your own family, uh, corporately, and then, you know, with you as an individual. How does what is our, our thinking on this whole subject? So what we're going to talk about today, <clears throat> excuse me, is the origins of Halloween. Now, this is something that you could go days uh, talking about all the various sources of where this holiday has come from. I will tell you, with the research that I've done, it's not as clear and concise as you might think. Now, there's a lot of documentaries out there. There's a lot of websites where they, well, they try to put everything in a nutshell. And it's I found it's not that easy because it's not one particular culture or country that we get a lot of these uh, ideas of, of how to celebrate Halloween. Uh, they don't come from one place. It's multiple sources. And that was the thing that really can surprise a lot of people. They always think it's it's always the Celts. Well, they're a big part of it. Many of the things we do in Halloween do come from the Celts. But it's not just the Celts. There's a lot of Germanic influence. And if you're familiar with what I mean by Germanic, it's not just Germany, but it's the Germanic peoples. Well, that, they spread all over Europe. Not only that, but we see some things that came from more of Scandinavia. So the, the Norse, uh, we see some influences of Halloween from there. And we also see a lot of Latin sources. Now, when I say Latin, I mean a couple different things. One, I mean, yes, the, the Roman Empire. Those that uh, you know come from the Roman Empire, those countries and people groups, you know, they they have a lot of contributions to, to Halloween. And I also mean those that live in Latin America. So it's not just the Celts. Now, I will say, though, however, the main source is undoubtedly the Celts. Um, they have the biggest contribution to this holiday from what I could find. 
uh, and not specifically, not, not just the Celts, but, but specifically the Druids. Now, the Druids were the Celtic religious leaders. They led the Celts into religious practice. Um, they were also the leaders uh, civically within their uh, civil uh, law system that they had in place. And one of the feasts that they actually partook of was called the Feast of Samhain. Now, you might say you've never heard of that. You probably have seen it if you've researched this subject at all. It's usually spelled, however, a little differently than it's pronounced. It's spelled, if you're looking at it in English, Samhain, so S-A-M-H-A-I-N. However, it's a Gaelic word. It's pronounced Samhain. Now, this word is really interesting. This word Samhain actually means summer's end, which is interesting. I, I, I read some, some blogs and some different websites, and they talked about Samhain being a god of the dead in the Celtic religion. There is a little bit of a problem, though. As I researched more, the resources to track that down, where did that come from, are, are virtually non-existent. It's like people's ideas. Um, Samhain literally means summer's end. They had a feast at the end of summer. Now, that's not taking away from the religious significance. It's just saying that we have to be careful when we research these subjects because there is a lot of misinformation out there. We got to be honest about this kind of thing. It, it can be difficult, and I know, because there's a lot of strong feelings. But what I can confirm for sure is there was something called the Feast or Festival of Samhain, and I was able to confirm for a fact that Samhain is the Gaelic word that means summer's end. So it, it was the time when there was a season change. And what would happen is things would start to die. They'd turn brown. Things, you know, it was the harvest time. And so they would have a big festival. Now, something else would kind of happen. And uh, this time frame, though, what we're talking about here, October 31st to November 1st was this festival of Samhain. Now, that's following our calendar. They didn't necessarily follow the same calendar, but the time frame is about the same. So it's about October 31st to November 1st. Now, the Celts believed at this time when things were starting to you know, turn brown and leaves are changing and things are dying, getting ready for winter, right? They believed, the Celts, that the barrier separating the spiritual world from our world was very thin at this time of year, specifically at this festival time. So they believed that the spirits of departed spirits, you know, would actually be able to uh, come and visit the living, during this time and not only visit them, but you know, they would eat. So what the Celts would do is they would actually leave treats out for those spirits. Um, and they believe that they could converse with them. And so a lot of our Halloween traditions do come from this festival. In what way? Well, one thing that they did that we do not do, thankfully, uh, nowadays, but they would have animal sacrifice. In very rare cases, there are some it's very rare. I mean, it was hard to find a lot of evidence for this. There was some human sacrifice. Now, the Celts, before we start romanticizing the Celts, um, there were cannibalistic practices within Celtic uh, religion, um, especially within 
their how their religion melded with their understanding of what a warrior did. Um, so there was definitely some problems within the Celtic understanding of life and death. But animal sacrifice did happen. And what they would do is they would take the bones of those sacrifices and they would throw them in very large, what they called bone fire. So a big fire. Here's the creepy part. It's where we get the word bonfire from. Can you believe that? So when you have a bonfire, you're actually using a word that comes from bone fires. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Another thing that the Celts would do is they would dress up as spirits. Because, see, these spirits, they believe, when they would cross over into our world, they would play tricks on human beings. So they would leave treats out to try to make them happy, make the spirits happy, the Celts would. And they would also wear costumes to sort of try to blend in. They figured, well, if I look like a spirit, then the actual spirits will leave me alone. That was their train of thought. Um, Irish immigrants brought these modern Halloween traditions to the New World. When they came here, they brought a lot of these traditions and understandings and ideas to the New World. Now, you might say, well, Rob, weren't they Catholic, though, at the time, Roman Catholic? Well, yeah, they were. It doesn't mean they gave up their traditions. Um, and we can see that just in the fact that we have these traditions, for one. We know where they came from. And there's just, you know, for example, the jack-o'-lantern. That came from Irish immigrants, Irish and Scottish immigrants, uh, in these Celtic lands. And, of course, we use a pumpkin, right? They used a turnips, very large turnips. Well, they got to the New World, and it's like, well, we have an alternative. These pumpkins are easier to carve than turnips, so they would, they would go ahead and use pumpkins. The idea of a jack-o'-lantern is to scare away evil spirits or to make it look as if they are themselves evil spirits and the spirits would stay away. That's the kind of the idea. It would, it, it, you know, they had a very high belief in ghosts just roaming the land at this time of year. So the jack-o'-lanterns were there as sort of a way to protect yourself. Okay. It was to, to ward off these evil spirits or just spirits in general. Trick-or-treating. That's a little more hard to, to find. Uh, people say it came from that time frame. Well, they would leave treats out for spirits, but they didn't necessarily go house to house. That actually came around uh, later on in the Western world. And what would happen is, you know, Halloween, the word actually is taken from All Hallows' Eve. So November 1st uh, and 2nd is big in the Roman Catholic Church where they would pray for departed saints. And then um, November 2nd, they would do all saints. So everyone that they, you know, because biblically, everyone that's a believer that belongs to Christ is a saint. In Roman Catholic teaching, there's certain people that are considered saints, but not everyone in their understanding. Okay. So, you know, that's a, a discussion for another time, of course. So that was, they called it All Hallows' Eve on October 31st because it was the eve before we prayed for the hallowed ones. So All Hallows' Eve eventually turned to Halloween. And they would have, uh, especially in England and here in the United States, especially in New York and Chicago, I found, people would go to these uh, the doors of, of Catholic homes, uh, usually younger people that lived on the streets, and they would knock, and they would offer to pray 
for those that have died in the idea of getting them out of purgatory, the Roman Catholic understanding of purgatory. What happened is the people in these homes would make little cakes, like little cookie things, and give to them. They would give them the cookie. Uh, these people that were going to pray for your loved one, if you were one of those people, they would take the cake and eat it, and then they would go and pray. The idea is the more people that prayed for your departed loved one, the better chance you had of getting them out of purgatory and into heaven. Okay? That's where trick-or-treat actually comes from. And if you didn't give them a treat or you dismissed these people that came to your door, over time, they would it would develop into this time when they would do something kind of mean. Um, we can actually see some news reports uh, from the early parts of the 1900s into the 30s where they would set fires. I mean, we're talking some pretty big stuff. This is bigger than just a little prank. I mean, they're setting fires and doing heavy vandalism. Um, so that's where that comes from, the trick-or-treating. But a majority of our beliefs do come from this Celtic understanding of the spiritual world. It's very thin. Ghosts are walking around. We got to dress up like them. Uh, thankfully, we don't do the human sacrifice or animal sacrifice. So the Celts have a big part to play, but not the only part. The Celts and the, the, the Germanic tribes in ancient Europe, they had very similar beliefs. They, they really sort of intertwined with each other. The Germanic tribes had a belief in these spirits walking around, as did the Scandinavians. And so they would have to leave treats out oftentimes in order to appease them so they weren't going to be uh, haunted or anything of that nature. But then we go somewhere else, and this is where things get a little trickier. We look at Latin America. Now, we oftentimes don't attribute Latin American countries or Latin American people groups um, helping us with understanding the roots of Halloween in the things that we do. However, we do see a holiday that occurs beginning on November 1st. It goes November 1st and 2nd, and it's called the Day of the Dead. Now, if you don't live in an area that has a large Hispanic population, you may not be very familiar with it. Now, if you've looked on TV or the news or something online, you may have seen in some Latin American countries where you see people out dressed up as skeletons and having parades and or they're hanging around in cemeteries and eating dinner with candles everywhere. That's actually the Day of the Dead, Days of the Dead. Um, it's very similar to the Celtic pagan ideas of ghosts, right? They, they have meals or, or something for the dead relatives. The difference, however, with the Latin American countries is when they look at the Day of the Dead, they're looking at it as an opportunity to have a meal with a departed loved one. So they're not necessarily seeing them as malevolent spirits. They're looking at it as we got Uncle, know, let's just say Uncle Jim is going to come and he's going to have dinner with us. So we will set a place at our table with food and everything else, as if he's really coming. <laughs> the difference is he's been dead for 10 years, but he comes on November 1st and 2nd to have a meal with us. And they really believe that this ghost shows up. They hang around in the cemeteries and they talk to them. They try to communicate 
with their loved ones. Okay, so you can see where it's very similar in many ways to a lot of the Celtic uh, understandings as far as they're trying to communicate this, the, the, the veil between our world and the spirit world is very thin in their understanding. And so they want to communicate with their loved ones. Obviously, there's a lot more I could go into with Halloween. This is a very crash course, just very simple understanding, mostly from the Celts, mostly European, um, understanding that it came from pagan religious festivals. And we also see it in Latin America. And it, it the Day of the Dead, and this is not to offend anyone, but it, it's just a fact of truth. It is pagan in its origin. Um, there's nothing biblical about it. Um, so I do want to read uh, something here um, just to give us sort of an understanding of what we're talking about. Okay, and this is what I'm going to end with is this passage of scripture. Christians have some serious questions they need to ask themselves in relation to these activities that we've been talking about. I am not saying not to do anything. I am not saying that your child that dresses up like a little princess and goes door to door asking for candy is somehow participating in a pagan festival. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I am saying is, as believers, thinking of that word that we always bring up, hagios, right? Holy, set apart. What should our involvement be, if anything? I'm going to read this first, and this is what I'll end with. It's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. <clears throat> it says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Think about that. Meditate on that scripture. Look it up for yourself. It's Deuteronomy chapter 18 starting in verse 9. Now, before you say, ah, oh, but that's the Old Testament. Well, go through Acts, go through Galatians, and you start seeing these types of activities are still condemned. And remember, the Bible is one book. God is keeping us from some very dark things. And we have to look, is Halloween part of that? Are just aspects of it? Well, next time, we're going to address some of the the more occult spirituality you know things i just mentioned in this in this passage that i just read you know what is necromancy divination you know what is sorcery what what are those things what are mediums we're going to talk about that next time on pilgrim monk i do hope you're blessed and folks take this stuff to heart don't just blow it off and do what you want to do Seek God's face in all of this. You'll be glad you did.
Thank you for joining us today on Pilgrim Walk. For more information, go to our site at www.gracecm.org.